Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I am your host. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Please make sure to keep up with the podcast on all social media platforms, which will be linked in the podcast description. If you are not new to the podcast, do me a great favor and leave us a review and rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Apple, Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it is that you listen to Missing the Point with Miles David on, please do your best to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate us, and leave us a review. It does wonders in increasing our reach and growing the community that I want to grow on this platform. And we're back with another episode all about Roland Garros 2021, aka the French Open, aka Roland Ghetto, as I like to call it, because it is consistently lowering the ball, <laughs> lowering the ball. <laughs> it is consistently lowering the bar for us all. It is. Um, and I say that with respect to the champions. Um, in this episode, I have a new friend of mine and a new person, a new guest on the podcast by the name of Miguel or Mike and M- Miguel and Mike. You're the same person. I know that. But Please don't be mad if I butcher your last name, but I'm going to say it is Miguel Guetta. (laughs) I did the best that I could and I did the best that I could because Mike is from Brazil. This is the first time I've had an international guest on the podcast and Mike and I are going to go through the entire French Open 2021 draw and talk about some things that impressed us. Talk obviously about the women's and men's champions, uh, Barbora. Krychikova brought home the trophy surprisingly and triumphantly on the women's side and Novak Djokovic brought home the the title in the men's single side of things. So me and Mike are going to take a journey down through what was the French Open 2021. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It is fun. It is full of flair and you really get to see um, our insights into the tournament from different perspectives, which is what I wanted from this episode and from talking to Mike. So you guys just sit back, relax. Um, if you're washing dishes and doing your clothes or just listening to the sound of our voices, I appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy it. So I will be back on the flip side to wrap up the show and that'll be that. So enjoy guys. Another one for the highlight reel. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I mean, I guess I guess it wouldn't be a Roland Garros review episode if things didn't go south or I, have technical difficulties. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Roland Garros is known for. Uh in an hour we have to make some real bad decisions, you know, scheduling decisions. <laughs> And you have to screw up some players. Yeah, that's going to happen. That's Something, Something's going to be screwed up when you're talking about Roland Garros because they're the king of screw-ups for whatever reason. So Yeah, that I have to agree with. <laughs> but before we ran into our technical difficulties, you were introducing yourself to the podcast. This is your first time on the podcast, so our listeners have to know what um, you do, what your passions are, who you are, and all of that fun stuff. I'm Miguel. Uh, you can call me Mike. Uh, I actually don't work with tennis at all. Uh, I practice i play tennis and i love watching it but i'm a musician i'm a bass guitarist mainly uh, i write some scores for short films and uh I, I, that's what i study that's what i do with my life 
I play some gigs, and of course, pre-COVID was a little better, but now we're a little stuck. And uh, it hasn't been that long since I started watching tennis. It was like 2017, the first time I watched the major final, like the, the Federer Nadal Australian Open final. Classic, very classic. Uh, yeah, I watched it because uh, I saw an ad, and I, I, I remember the name. Like, I knew Federer, I know Nadal, I know they're great. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it, and it was like 5 a.m. It's 5 a.m. here, the final, and I watched it, and that was an, that instantly I became a Federer fan. Like when you say life. when you say it was 5 a.m. here, where is here? Yeah, I live in Recife. <laughs> it's a it's a town in northeast Brazil. Uh, yeah, so it's the scheduling. How far, how far away is it from Rio? Very. Uh, Very. <laughs> uh, plane, it's. Uh, three hours, I think. That's not that bad, I guess. No, yeah, it's it's okay. It's like uh, Rio is not deep south, so it's a little closer than like Rio Grande do Sul, but you know, it's a little far. You can drive there, you just can't. You, <laughs> it yeah, would be I too mean, much. yeah, it would be like from me in Louisiana driving to California. Like, it would be something <laughs> nobody would really want yeah, to do. <laughs> it's like, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> mm -mm. there's a plane. plane. Yeah, there's a plane for it. Yeah. <laughs> I completely get it, but that's cool. You're the you're you're breaking my international barrier. <laughs> I am, like we were we were telling we were talking offline, and I tell you the first person to be on the podcast that's like international and like in an international location, which I think uh, is cool. I think it's cool, and I'm, I'm glad that you to came be to do the first one. I'm just a, a, a tennis tutor, nobody. <laughs> I'm glad that you invited me. Uh, my main. Uh, how do you call it? The reason I'm here is because I am a freak and I watched the entire French Open. <laughs> That's well, the, the reason the reason this collaboration or like this session came about is because I tweeted out on my Twitter, Missing Point Pod, who's watched a lot of Roland Garros and you're one of the first people to respond. And I've, you know, like I've only been active on that Twitter profile for maybe a year or so. And like I, I, I always remember your Twitter handle, Second Serves, being like yeah. in the people I respond to, or just like funny stuff. So when it, when it happened, I was like, okay, this this should be fun, and I'm sure it will be. <laughs> no, of course. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm a musician, so that's what I do for for a living. And uh, since 2017, uh, actually, I didn't really became become a tennis fan in 2017. I just became a you know, I'm going to watch some finals and that's it. <laughs> Here and there. I, I liked Federer, so, oh, that's good. Federer won. Yay. Hooray. And then uh, <laughs> I used to enjoy football a lot, but then, I don't know, football just became a little boring, I think. I don't know. Which is American soccer for us here. We yes, call it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Soccer. Uh, so I never stopped watching soccer, but then I started really watching tennis. I discovered Djokovic. I didn't know about him. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, 2017, he was like at 12 Grand Slams. Yeah, he's at 19 now. 2017 <laughs> was kind of a rough year for him in some ways, actually. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons that I didn't know him as mm -hmm. uh, as much. I missed his peak seasons. So not anymore. <laughs> yeah, he made sure he came back, and I <laughs> he made, he made him sure he made himself every relevant. single Grand Slam. Like <laughs> it's crazy. And, and the one that we're talking about today, Roland Garros 2021. We just are a couple of hours out of or a couple of hours away from Novak Djokovic actually lifting the men's championship trophy at the French Open 2021. How? What are your, like, 
initial reactions because we're because it just the final just happened a couple hours ago what are your initial reactions to what happened and because i know you were up early to watch it i personally because novak djokovic beat rafa and i i mean just admittedly just transparency i was a little salty (laughs) so i was yeah i was a little salty that novak djokovic won that semifinal match over rafa so i really definitely am i'm already not a fan of waking up early um, especially waking up early deep into Grand Slams when my favorite players aren't there anymore. <laughs> so I was like, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll catch the end of it. And I did catch the last, like the ending of the fourth set and all the fifth set. So, you know, yeah, the it was it was okay. You, you didn't suffer uh, the first two sets. Uh, well, I really, initially I didn't have a reaction. Uh, Pass opened two sets to love. I mean, I was just shocked. I didn't, I could never imagine it. I actually tweeted a scoreline. My prediction was Djokovic in five, but he would win the fir- the second and the third. So he would be 2-1 up, and then he would be taken to a fifth. That would be fine. Uh, we didn't have to, <laughs> we wouldn't have to go through all these emotions of actually, you know, he's one set away from losing and Tsitsipas becoming a first-time Grand, Grand Slam champion which would be unreal because I mean, it would be, it would have been, it would have been something that kind of gave the tennis world a nice jolt. It, it would have, it would have been a feel good story. I think kind of, kind of like when Dominic team won the U S open, but because of, because of how he won the U S open and like there, there were being zero fans, it didn't have the same effect. This would have been like, Oh, the next gen is kind of here, you know, yeah, but exactly. And Whatever. Finally, <laughs> finally beating a big three member in the final. When it actually matters, right? <laughs> yeah. So that the first reaction was to be a little sad for him. Uh, he yeah, put his towel course. on his face, and I was like, okay, uh, we we have to remember 2004. Uh, Korea lost from two sets up, from match point up, and he never came back. Yikes. Uh, that killed his career basically actually he yeah. played a uh, rome final the next year with nadal nadal won because he's the best uh and then he never came back so we have to expect a little bit or you know just stay nervous a little bit for his wimbledon campaign if he's going to lose round one and just go away i hope, hope not. not yeah, yeah hope not. he's just hope a, not. a fantastic player he's just not good enough for djokovic and nadal right now but he's just a fantastic player He's my favorite from next gen. I love the one-handed backhand. I am a fan. That's how I play. I use the same racket as he. I use the Wilson blade. Okay, so, cool, cool, cool. So you know, I have this kind of identification with him. Uh, but I know I, I don't like his relationship with his father. To be honest, I don't I like. I mean, his yeah, that's a little yeah. tricky. <laughs> but when he plays, when he's when he shuts up and plays tennis, that's great. <laughs> that's that's when I love him the most. And uh, it's a shame he had to lose that. If he had lost like six love, six four, six five, uh, seven five, I don't think it would have. It would have been something easier to swallow because it was like, yep, I got to my first major final. Maybe the moment got to me, and we'll build from this. But being up two sets to love, like he was, which is a which is a very like driver seat kind of position. Like people expect you to finish off that match, just given the score it probably will sting him. But on the flip side of that, you can look at it as like a a sting or something that propels him forward, you know? So 
we we shall yeah. see but i i guess if i have to do the 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 nice thing is to give credit to djokovic for pulling out um which i, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me i guess because like i naturally when i see novak djokovic matches which i guess i should work on admittedly when i see his matches on the on the schedule i don't circle them i don't like make sure i watch them i don't tune into them as much as i do to other players I see. just just because like I can attest and admit that he's a great tennis player, but there's very little that makes me want to actually watch all of his matches, oh, especially like first ball to last, you know? Um, but I, I forgot that this isn't the first time that he's come down um, or come back, excuse me, from two sets to love down in the tournament. He did so in the fourth round against Musetti, which is a pretty good match except for Musetti. Um, the 19-year-old from Italy who showed a lot of good talent in that match. And we'll, we'll kind of circle back to that match when we go through the draw. But he it's a, it's a testament to Djokovic's willpower and the intangibles that he has in his game. Nothing about his game is flashy to me, but he does have a skill set of kind of, I, I think Darren Cahill, a really popular um coach on the WTA. He, he coaches Simona Halep and he does some ESPN commentating as well. He he called, he called said something like Djokovic goes into Wii tennis mode where he doesn't miss. Yeah, and that's, that is a great skill to have as a champion and it makes you hard to beat. So kudos, kudos to him for having that level where he legitimately just does not miss, you know? I guess that's good. If, if, and I guess if you're a fan of that style of tennis, then for, by all means and purposes, go for it. Like, freak out over Djokovic. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, it's like we can classify him and Nadal a little bit, like grinding tennis. Mm -hmm. It's tennis that goes to the physical level, like, you know, it's a godsend physical level. And I agree with you, it doesn't appeal to me that much. It's like the, two, the 2012 Australian Open final, the six-hour match. I don't like to watch it. I was going to say, who goes back and watches that just for yeah. fun? <laughs> yeah, there are pages on Twitter that are like, I'm going to watch it again. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't know how you can because it bores me to death. But I understand what is happening and that I will never reach that level <laughs> in physicality all my life. And of course, they are two great, amazing players. But, you know, I, I can't just tune in. I, watching it live would be amazing. Like, yeah, I, maybe that's wow. what it is. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't, did, was Djokovic at the 2019 BNP Paribas Open in Indian Wells? I don't remember, but maybe, maybe, you made me think about something just now when you said that. Maybe if I were to see him live and yeah. get a feel for how it feels, I might start to change my opinion. But for right now, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is where it is. And just a very standard congratulations to Novak Djokovic for lifting his second, his second Roland Garros title, which does kind of set him apart from the quote-unquote big three in tennis because he has two now of every Grand Slam title, which is a, which is a great thing. Still not, to me, to me, he's still not the greatest of all time yet. Um, he does, this win now puts him at 19 overall major singles titles, which is only one behind Roger and Rafa. So he's knocking on the door, but a lot of people, like I was just looking at on my timelines, and just in general, the, yeah. the, the conversation around Novak is that he's going to be the GOAT, but I can't yeah. call somebody the GOAT when they're not actually there yet, you know? <laughs> I agree. Uh, uh, when he reaches 20, 
then you know or or surpasses which Chase, a lot of people yeah. which a lot of people feel like he just automatically he will, will. Yeah, it's just yeah. a matter of time you know he has two more slams this year already too mm -hmm. he's already the favorite like you know the u.s open could be teams but he's just awful oh, te and teams, yeah teams far away from being to me i mean anything could happen but team dominic team is kind of far away from grand slam level winning tennis i think yeah that's uh, that sucks but yeah it's the reality and even if he was healthy and you know with the mindset to win beating Djokovic in best of five is proving it's proving uh, to be a task yeah it's proving to be a task but with that let's let's take a look through the the draw a little bit and see outside of Djokovic okay. obviously because he won the he won the trophy so he's the he's the guy he's the ultimate winner um there were people in the draw besides him <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about some of the people that made it deep into the tournament and let's just go through the men's draw first and then we'll give some love to the women's winner and the women's draw as well. So men up first, just because we're talking about Djokovic. So Djokovic actually had a pretty easy road to the quarterfinals, I would say, um, and beyond, honestly. He got tested a couple times. Well, he, I did. I did mention that match against Musetti, which is probably yeah. his first real test of the tournament. Musetti is somebody who's 21 and under. He's in that 21 and under age group who plays with a lot of flair in their tennis. If you don't know him, definitely look him up. He has some good wins this season. He's he has wins over Tiafo. He's pushed Sissipas to three sets at a warm up tournament before Roland Garros, um, and he's just had like some very standout moments this season. And he took. The first two sets off of Djokovic, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And then after that, his body kind of um, fizzled out a little bit. So that was that was, that was was disappointing in some ways to see. But also, you got to factor in that he's 19. So how you were just talking about the physicality of the sport these days. A 19-year-old, although 19-year-olds are getting bigger and stronger, there's yeah. still something to be said for, like, time put in to get your body acclimated to go five sets, you know? No, that was a little. That was a strange match uh, because uh, of what happened. But he just played unbelievable tennis for two sets. It's like he deserved the match for what he did. Uh, and then it was surprising to me. I thought, okay, he probably wasn't going to win anyway. Like he had to be too good physically to endure five sets against Djokovic. But six one six love, like what? Yeah, I was a little, I was a little shocked. I didn't expect it. Like, how do you go from that high of a level to that either either so two things had to happen Djokovic's level had to raise and his had to come down drastically because I guess that's the benefit that these legends I'm calling like Djokovic Rafa Roger they all have the benefit of knowing what it feels like to go deep into a five-set match whereas the younger guys the futures and the smaller tournaments they play to get up to Grand Slam level, they're all best of three. So unless you really are like practicing five set matches, you don't really feel what they feel like, like when you're when your legs are actually in them until you yeah. get there. And then the guy that has most experience usually wins, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you come back like to 1995, like everything was best of five. And we mm -hmm. have a more diverse field in matter in terms of Grand Slam winners, so that may be a factor. And Musetti was a little, you know, he won a five-set match. I watched the match he played with Cecchinato, and, uh, and that was his that was his very first five-set match. First five-set. The round he before, won, uh, you know, he looked good. He was confident. 
he had tennis and he brought that tennis to Djokovic, but you know, took took too much of him. Uh but he did play amazing tennis. I was shocked to see seven six, seven six. Uh he had like a tiebreak record uh of twenty twenty one. He I think he ended this match ten love in the tiebreak record that he played in twenty twenty one. Oh wow ten and lost none. None. Wow, okay, good. Yeah. And even against Djokovic, so that's amazing. That's pretty good, yeah. That's why he's hyped, and I, I agree with his hype because he just looks good. But that ending was just wow! I, I didn't see that coming, and hopefully, it's something that he learns from because it would have been nice to see him just finish the match off more traditionally instead of retire. But I mean, part of me feels like who are we to say like what his body limit is, and the other part of me just wants to see the match end more traditionally. So it's one of those, you know kind of middle of the road things you can't be mad at somebody for pulling the plug if they feel like they have yeah. to but then you also want to see good tennis just finished out the regular old traditional way i guess you know but i agree i agree keep, uh, keep an eye out for musetti for the rest of this season and then see seasons moving moving forward if you haven't heard that name before hopefully fingers crossed it's a name that we keep hearing um but another italian that djokovic faced in the tournament is quarterfinal opponent who had a really good he made a really good way through the draw is uh, Matteo Berrettini. He actually was the player that benefited from Roger Federer withdrawing after his third round match. So uh, Berrettini got a walkover into that quarterfinal match and he took a set off of Djokovic. He took a, a tie break off of Djokovic, actually keeping that Italians winning tie break things going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe there's something with Italians and tie breaks and Djokovic. We gotta we gotta look into that. But <laughs> there, I was actually proud of Berrettini because he, you know, he made use of of, of a good draw. I, actually, I, I do think had Roger Federer not pulled out, I would have given the slight edge to Berrettini in that match just based off of what we now know about Federer's body not being able to handle going five sets or really not being able to handle the recovery afterwards, yeah. basically, I would have given Berrettini a slight edge in that match. And Berrettini came into the tournament winning a match, winning a tournament, excuse me, and we're getting to the finals of Madrid. So he, w he was playing with confidence. And I'm actually, I'm actually quite proud of him getting back into the mix because for like, even though 2020 was a very weird year, people had kind of forgotten about him in that next gen conversation with Sissy Paz because he's in the same age range. So it's, it's just good to see him continuing in draws. Like he, like, I feel like his talent should allow him to be, because I love his forehand and his serve. No, his forehand is just amazing. It's uh, huge. One of the hugest on the tour based off of just amount of power it generates for sure. Yeah. The Federer matchup with him would be interesting to watch actually, even though uh, of course I do think Federer made the right decision because I don't think he would have handled it because Berrettini would bring all of it against Federer because he wanted probably wanted to win against Federer, you know, a proper win. Um, and yeah, uh, 2020, he was gone. Actually. I, I remember I, like seeing him losing round one, round two. And I was like, <laughs> well, COVID I mean, it's, yeah, COVID it's weird seeing, victim. yeah, it's, it's weird seing how like year to year players confidence levels and results can kind of ebb and flow but 2020 really is like a weird year to put too yeah. much i guess thought into because it affected everybody in in weird ways you know and i guess no, he was I... just one of them and he and he didn't even play that much but when he did play he wasn't getting he, got, he wasn't getting good wins but he is now so that's yeah, a good he thing. found he, he found his forehand again uh 
His backhand uh, is the weakest side. It's uh, a work in progress. Djokovic just Everybody's is. his backhand. <laughs> it was ugly to watch, to be fair. Uh, but he had a good mentality against Djokovic. Um, I thought he was going to win the fourth when the crowd had to leave. But, you know, Man, didn't allow okay. Him to. So speaking of crowds, and we were kind of on the Roger Federer thing. Mm. Just for sake of conversation, do you think that this may be the last time Roger plays at the French Open? Yeah, a hundred percent. Really? That's why. That's why I made sure to watch every single match from start mm. to finish. It was. I, I felt like a goodbye. You know, I, I. I don't mind as a Federer fan. I don't mind. Uh, I think Clay is not going to help him anymore. And I think he finally not finally because he did. There were two years without. Uh, yeah, he didn't play at all the clay season in 2017 yeah. and 2018. So he felt healthy. He came back and he gave actually good performances. I thought that for a, a man who is that old in tennis, <laughs> you know, uh, he's very old. And we are, <laughs> in we tennis are years, we are not surprised <laughs> enough about his level, to be fair. He dominated Chilich, who is on the run of his life since 2018. That was just wow! I I was impressed, and uh, I do think uh, it was a shame that it was crowdless because uh, the French Open scheduling was awful. <sighs> but <laughs> that's why that's why we called it, and it usually gets the name Roland Ghetto, Roland Ghetto, because it's oh, just okay. it's just for it to be one of the Grand Slam tournaments, like a, the Super Bowl of tennis. It doesn't feel like it every year. Uh, understand now every I year when i <laughs> every year when i leave i'm just like can we get to wimbledon like a grand slam shouldn't feel that way we should it shouldn't feel like a warm-up tournament for another grand slam and that's yeah, what it feels that's like that's how Federer treated it as well <laughs> he got a lot of yeah. hate for it yeah he, i mean uh, it was i might do a special episode about this where i just kind of get my feelings out about how he was able to listen to his body, but then on the other side, Naomi Osaka wasn't able to listen to her yeah. body, no, but, still, but still wanted to play in the tournament. He just pulled out altogether. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's a story for more time than we have today. But yeah. all in all, it was nice to see Novak Djokovic back on the court. He won three matches in a row, which is, he hasn't uh, done that in a while. Djokovic Feder, you said Djokovic. <laughs> I said Djokovic. Yeah. Oh yikes! Yikes! <laughs> maybe there was he's an maybe, empire that made maybe he's winning wrong, me right? over. Maybe Djokovic <laughs> is winning me over, like he's in a weird favorite. subconscious way. <laughs> it was nice to see Federer back yeah. on the court, gets get some wins underneath his belt, and that Dominic Kupfer match, the match that went, um, it went four sets or five sets. Four, four. It went four sets, even though it, only, it, it it didn't go five. It still was a very tough match, a bunch of tie breaks, a very long match. So he got through that with a W. So, again, it's just even even if this is his farewell tour and I, I don't want to, like, call it that, nice to see him on the court. He's he's probably one of the best ambassadors of tennis globally that we've had in a while. Um, and it's just, yeah. you know, it's always, it is, always going to be a good eye-catching thing to see Roger Federer in a draw, even at 39, almost 40 years old. Yeah, so. So let's move on right underneath uh, that section of the draw to two other to, to uh, two other quarterfinalists, Rafa Nadal and uh, Diego Schwartzman. Did you watch their quarterfinal match? Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I think I missed the set. I don't remember, but damn, that was intense. Like three sets of pure intensity. Pure ball striking. I, I I thought it was a match of the, the the best three sets of the tournament so far. 
Djokovic versus, um, excuse me, why Why do I keep saying Djokovic? Nadal, <laughs> he's in my head. I got to get him out. Nadal versus Schwartzman, you mean? Yeah, uh, the quarterfinal. Uh, they played last year, and Schwartzman played very well, but mm -hmm. didn't even make a set. Uh, Nadal was a little bit, you know, shaken. He played too much. I think he played too much this year. I think he... Going into the French Open, you think he yeah, played too I much? Yeah, I think he shouldn't have played mm. Barcelona, even though he did win. Mm. But that final match with Tsitsipas, 7-6 or 7-5, I don't remember. It was it was tight. The, the match in Barcelona was very it tight. Was a, yeah. I think it was a little too much. And the Schwartzman match was the first one I saw that Nadal was a little underwhelming. Mm. Uh, Rough fans are very dramatic on Twitter. They like <laughs> Rafa misses a first serve and it's over for them. <laughs> But he was playing well. I mean, he he wasn't playing too flashy. I mean, he gave Diego Schwartzman a bagel in that fourth set, so he upped his and level. Th that is the ridiculous thing about Nadal uh, that he felt tired. I, 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 that's what I saw, at least. Uh, in the third set, Schwartzman was hanging on there, like hitting the ball like a crazy man. Mm -hmm. Even though he can't properly serve, he <laughs> serve of Serena Diego Williams, small, but, but he does what he yeah, does yeah. well. <laughs> but he was just dominating from the baseline, and Nadal's shots were going a little too short. And I thought, oh my god, that, that can actually happen. An upset may happen. And then Nadal, Nadal just steals the set, playing amazing in the final two games. He breaks to 5-4, and he closes at 6-4, and then he never loses a game in 6-love. And I was like, okay, who can, who can beat him? This man is unbeatable. And then we go uh, to the semifinals. <laughs> yeah, but the Schwarzman, the, the the first three sets of this match were really were really tight. I was so happy to be watching it live. I was like, oh my god, thank God I I have nothing to do. <laughs> even though I, even though Diego Schwartzman may not always come out on the winning side of like tight matches, he always puts in a good performance. I will say that even the matches that he loses, the player usually has to play at a high to level grind to him, him until yeah yeah he's just a fighter uh he's a fellow south american so i i kind of root for him anyways because the tennis is hard and europeans dominated so mm -hmm. we do have to support our guys and i very much love him i uh, love seeing him play like this he just goes fearless against nadal he did say he preferred to play Djokovic. He did that say that in the, in the in the conference, yeah. And the Nadal game just makes him play better because mm -hmm. it's pure baseline grinding, and that's. And I think he likes it. the I think he likes the matchup. I just think Rafa has like an extra, a couple extra notches under his two belt yeah, to pull no, out. That's that's unquestionable. Yeah. Uh, what I that this is what I call a pure clay court tennis because mm. they don't go to the net. They don't mm -hmm. volley. They don't. <laughs> they just hit forehands, just, and backhands, top spin, backhands. That's, that's that's what I struggle with with clay court tennis, and that's why I'm excited that we are back um, on grass. on the grass. <laughs> or the season is is getting back to the very short and under underappreciated grass court season. I, people, a lot of people love grass court season. I just personally wish it was longer, and we got like the same lead up we got to the French Open with. The tournament you mentioned in Barcelona and Madrid, we don't have any of that. We have a, like we have a, just a very shortened version of it before Wimbledon. So whatever, one day hopefully in our lifetime that'll change. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So let's get down to the bottom half of the draw and talk about who came through there. So the quarterfinalists there were um, or through their sections were Zverev and. Some would say surprising, but if you are an actual fan of tennis, you should know this name has been kind of gaining steam uh, slowly but surely. And I'm talking about 
Davidovich Fokina from Spain. Yeah. Uh, Davidovich Fokina and Zverev. I, I, I need Davidovich Fokina to come up with a nickname, and I think he has. I think like his name on Instagram is Foki. So it's Folky. just, yeah, I, Folky. Like I like that. Folky. I like Foki. So Foki versus Zverev <laughs> in the <laughs> quarterfinal. <laughs> I, li- I like it. Even though like their quarterfinal match was kind of a dud because, yeah. and, and if you, if you put it into context, Foki really had to battle to get through to the quarterfinal because he played a really beautiful match against the 15th seed, Casper Rude from Norway. Another name that you may want to jot down is somebody who's going to eventually win Grand Slam championships, possibly mm-hmm. at Roland Garros one day. They played a really, really long match. Did he save match points in that third-round match against Rude? Uh, I don't remember. No, I don't think he did. If he didn't, he was very close to losing that match because he, he got bageled in the fourth set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a classic scoreline. Uh, yeah, isn't it? going to trash best of five, which I don't think anybody will except Rottenberg. But uh, <laughs> if you're going to trash best of five, that's your best argument because sometimes a person just tanks a set. Mm-hmm. And that happens more often than it should. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't – so you mentioned, like, trashing best of five. And I, I, I saw in your Twitter bio that you're a defender of grass, which I love, and a defender yeah. of best of five sets in on, on, the, uh, on the tournaments and in Grand Slams. I don't necessarily hate best of five matches but i do wish and i've heard kind of like a hybrid of how to of how to make best of five not completely go away but keep it for classic matches and i think the powers that be in tennis one day should look into like introducing best of five at the quarterfinal stage and beyond maybe and like keeping the rest of the tournament or maybe fourth round or something or whenever the second week starts that's when best of five matches start because sometimes in the first week if there's too many best of five matches, it can kind of be draining <laughs> to yeah. watch. And yeah, you got I, players like Nishikori who openly admit that they just like playing them because they get to be on the court longer, which I can't be mad at because you 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 yeah. poured your life into this sport. So of course you want to play it for as long as you're able to. But sometimes best of fives can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> No, I understand uh, what you're saying. A lot of people on Twitter actually agree. Um, I just think uh, that Grand Slams, the the only reason, actually, not 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 the only reason, but the main reason it's special, it's because it has a different format um, and uh, it has more players as well. Like it's the tournament with more players in. Uh, so I do love. I d- of course you have to. Uh, to hate some of like we had uh i i can't even pronounce his name uh, from i think uh dutch zend schulp played uh Herkax and he won in five sets oh nobody yes yeah nobody watched that yeah, but nobody and, watched that i didn't uh, <laughs> maybe his family did uh, uh, and i'm sorry I, I respect him but yeah that's the first round that's going to go you know into you know into the people aren't, people aren't going to remember it and it went and it, they were out there for hours yeah yeah I agree with that part, but I do think that uh, one part of preparing for best of five from the top players is just knowing how to play it. And that's a thing that, for example, Zverev can't. He just doesn't mm. know how to play best of five because... Well, he knows how to play him. He knows how to play him, just not win him. <laughs> yeah, he, just, he goes five sets against Ote, who is a qualifier from his own country, Germany. And he just goes two sets down. For no reason. Like, mm-hmm. what? You have to have the mentality to know that you have to win 
three sets and you shouldn't be losing energy that maybe he felt like he had less energy when he played Tsitsipas. He could have made mm -hmm. a slam final. I don't like him, but he could have made a slam final. Yeah, Zverev, Zverev kind of is in the same boat with Djokovic as far as players who don't have a bad game. Like, watching yeah. their game isn't the, isn't the hard part. It's like them and the game that's kind of hard to to yeah. to root for. But, you know, shout out to Zverev for making another deep run at the Grand Slam getting to the, all the way to the semifinals and shout out to Foki for getting to his first Foki uh, for his first uh, uh, quarterfinal at a grand slam. An addendum but, on this is the Rude and Foki match was amazing. You know? Yeah, I would definitely, if, if you have it on YouTube, you yep, should watch it. Yeah. If, if it ever, if they, if the French open or Roland Garros ever uh, releases their full episodes, even though they're very stingy with their yeah, media they rights, they, they, they do, they, they release the match highlights and the full matches that they want to, like three yeah. years after you've been asking for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Neuron Girls just has been they're behind the times and everything. But I guess they're I guess they feel like they're on the ball because they have a roof now. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's quickly finish up the men so we can give the women some okay, love. Okay, okay, okay. So the last quarterfinal uh featured Sitsi Fives, who was eventually our finalist. Um and he had a really good tournament, I feel he's just he just had a really, really good buildup to Roland Garros, and I'm glad that all of that produced itself into his 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 first final. So I'm I'm really proud of him. Again, he's another player that's like in that 25 and under club that we should be seeing for a while, hopefully. And I hope that this loss in the final doesn't sting him. Um, he, but he had a he made a pretty tricky draw looked pretty easy because he had Jeremy Chardy in the first round he had John Isner in the third round which I watched a lot of and Sissipas definitely looked like he had the game to um, trouble the, the best players in the world because he was able to neutralize one of the biggest weapons even though I don't like John Isner I would be a yeah. fool to realize that his serve isn't a huge weapon like that players have to work around you know yeah and and his match in who do you play in the quarterfinals? <laughs> uh, let me see. Oh, Medvedev, Medvedev, yes, yeah, Medvedev. Yeah. No one expected Medvedev to get that far because Medvedev has never actually won a match at Roland Garros until this year. Like, if you go back and listen to just shameless plug, you can go back and listen to the podcast before this one where, <laughs> we were, where I reviewed the, uh, where I previewed Roland Garros, excuse me, where I previewed Roland Garros, and I don't think anybody on that episode, including myself, thought that Medvedev would get all the way to a quarterfinal, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. I think there was something, another another one of the guys that I talked to a lot um, in regards to tennis said, or picked up on a comment that Medvedev had said to the press that something about the balls in the specific court at Roland Garros this year made him seem comfortable or made him feel more comfortable than he, than he ever yeah, has he been. He also talked about the weather that was mm. good for him. Yeah, because it, it didn't, did it rain at all during Roland Garros? Yeah, yeah, that was a thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, even when I watched the final today, th that was the best fortnight of tennis I've ever seen in, in terms yeah, of Yeah, the, the roof was never needed. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't one day of rain in France. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was crazy. When when rain when rain happen. definitely usually plays a part in the French Open every year. Usually, yeah. Hmm. And even even without no rain, it still didn't feel like a great tournament. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to bag on Roland Garros. But shout out to Medvedev for finally getting some wins under his belt. And he actually could have, if had he won his match against Tsitsipas and went on to the final, he could have left this tournament as the world number one, especially if he had won the yeah. tournament, because he's he's right there as far as, you know, points-wise, getting to number one. But I personally would have wanted to see him lift the trophy before he gets to number one or, like, they be really close to each other, you know, because I don't want mm. – I, I hate I hate what, what the media does to players that, like, get to number one and don't have a grand slam. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, They like talk a, about it endlessly. Hockey, right? Yeah, like, there's yeah. so many players. There's more players on the women's side. They did talk about that. But there are, there are a couple on the men's side. But Medvedev yeah. – they would definitely put the pressure on him to be like, well, you're ranked number one. Where's your grandson? <laughs> yeah. I could, I could hear it. So, yeah, that that is pretty much the men's draw. The semifinals ended up with Novak Djokovic versus Nadal, um, with Djokovic definitely coming out the winner in that match. I personally, like I said, I was salty. Yeah. I want to go back and part of me, not all of me, part of me wants to go back and watch that match to see this great set that third set that was a tie break that everybody's saying that is the best set of all time all of a sudden <laughs> i want to go back and see what they're talking about because i may have missed it even though i watched it it was good tennis but i didn't feel like i was watching something where i i'm i remember yeah. where i'm going to be at 10 years yeah. from from there now you know vibe with the set like it was the most important set of the match mm-hmm whoever won it like if not it's like if Djokovic wins then maybe it goes it goes to five if Nadal wins, it's over because Nadal from two sets up is not going to lose. Uh, so that yeah, he, has, he's not going to lose that match. Yeah, he had that feeling. And the one mistake Nadal made was a volley. And that was so strange. But to get that, uh, that was just, in my opinion, Unreal Tennis. It was one of the best sets. I, I, I'm on this team. That I, it was <laughs> one of okay. the best sets I, I've ever I may, watched. It I was may watch an hour it. and a half. I may watch tennis. it and feel that same way. I may watch it and feel the exact same way. This is the best set of tennis I've yeah, ever seen. There's in my life. this thing that I wasn't rooting for anyone. Mm. So maybe that's how I enjoy it more. That's the thing. Uh, if it was Roger Federer and he had lost, I would probably be salty, salty as well. So that <laughs> that can be an issue. But it was one hour and a half. Djokovic served for it, right? Yeah, he had 5 4. And then Nadal had a set point in uh, at 6 5. And he didn't make it, and that was so weird. And everybody was like, "Oh my god, a tie!" The weirdest part was in the very first set when Nadal came out really, really firing, up five love, love. yeah, five love, and then he let Novak Djokovic kind of end, which is the exact opposite of what happened in their 2020 final when when Rafa came out on fire and he kept it that way. He he kind of kept his foot on the pedal. He kind of let up slash Djokovic kind of woke up a little bit, so. All in all, as much as I drag Roland Garros, the men's side of the tournament was okay. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Well, we will take it. We will we'll, take it. Okay. I'll take it. I'm glad it's over with, and I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's switch over to the women because the women definitely had a wild Roland Garros for yeah, the sixth for the sixth consecutive year. When the dust all settled, there was a woman holding the title that had never left a Grand Slam trophy or won a Grand Slam singles trophy in her in her career, again, for the sixth straight year. And for the third year, out of the past five years, this is the third time a unseated player has won the tournament. And this player this year is Barbora Krajcikova. 
there's been you know i've been typing her name so much in my phone that I, my phone memorized that when, when i when i do yeah, when, same, I do K-R-E, when i do kre when i do kre they're like all right Jacob. <laughs> look at iphone man iphones what will we do without them but yeah barbora krachikova comes in to this tournament off the heels of winning her very first wta title and i don't in, in strasburg by the way strasburg is a is a historical women's event that is played almost always the week before the French Open, and she won that, and that was her very first WTA singles title. Background about Barbora is that she's a, actually, she's actually already been a major uh, champion. She's won a couple championships at um, at different majors in doubles. She won the 2018 Roland Garros doubles title and the 2018 Wimbledon doubles title, and she's also won a couple other titles in Australia in mixed doubles so she's familiar with like pressure moments but just in a different situation in doubles and she's a she's a very good player i'm i think i may have mentioned her on the podcast several episodes ago because she also made the final in dubai losing to garbine muguruza so this has actually been the best season of her career and she just put a major like stamp on it by winning roland garros and she won the doubles here too so I don't know what kind of sauce she was drinking before the tournament or before the Strasbourg tournament, but she definitely put it all together because she hasn't lost in a couple of weeks in any way, like doubles or singles. So did you, did you watch a lot of the women's final? No, I watched the whole thing. I I think uh, with Krichikova, hopefully I'm, uh, pronouncing you, you right. are, uh, you are. That's perfect. Chikova, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, let me see. She made, uh, I watched the final, the quarterfinals, the semifinals. Uh, I don't think I watched anything else from her, but uh, I did watch all of these three matches who, which were a little dramatic on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially that semifinal match, but we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, that semis were crazy. And uh, I had never seen her. I think I watched the Dubai final and I did not remember that she was the finalist. She doesn't have yet, this could change, but she doesn't have something that's memorable yet until yeah. this tournament. Like when she was kind of telling her story about like how she knocked on Yana Novotna's door and like needed a coach and how Yana Novotna was like her spirit was kind of leading her on in this tournament and she's another player or yet another yet another player to speak about their sports psychologist that's becoming like a thing so she kind of was just very open about um her emotions and when it comes to dealing with the pressure of being a singles player now so i mean she 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 was endearing in this tournament hopefully people remember that but before before this tournament people honestly didn't know her (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, we we met her for real, and she made the best speeches, I think. Mm-hmm. They, they were the best speeches. Like, uh, Titipas tries to be like her. He tries to mm-hmm. make these kind of speeches that are emotional <laughs> and strong, and he can't. And tugs at but, your heart, but yeah, it doesn't land the same way. <laughs> yeah, and she just naturally, she has a, a natural talent for it, and she speaks of Liana, and that was the most beautiful moment of the tournament by far. And uh, she had a mentality, I, I don't know... Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. You have to study. We actually have to study this because she didn't remember how to lose even a set. It's like she lost a set, and that was weird. It was a surprise. Uh, a golf served for the set. She mm-hmm. had. Uh, oh yeah, I definitely watched that. Bad match. points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was rooting for golf. I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like her game. I uh, she's a young star. I think she will be number one in the future. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. 
and she has a great game already, and she's so young. And she had the match in a racket, not the match, the first set. But she definitely had the first set. Yeah, and Krejcikova just said, nope. Nope. <laughs> she, yeah, she saved us, uh, I think, with a couple of winners, actually. Golf mm -hmm. didn't actually tank the... the, the, the golf didn't... Ones. Golf, her... She got nervous, like... No, yeah. But as absolutely. a 17-year-old probably would in that situation, that was her very first major quarterfinal, and Krejcikova just was... was doing her regular thing which is like massaging the ball and waiting yeah. for an opportunity she doesn't play she's not the kind of player that plays with like very obvious force but she has very good precision and timing in her ball she has good yeah. feel around the court and and that comes from playing doubles you know like in doubles you have to the 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 range of the court is different so you have to know where to put the ball so if you can um transition that to singles then you kind of have an advantage in a way you know yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right, but Su Wei, uh, he, how do you pronounce Shea it? Shea Su Wei, Shea Su Wei. Shea, Shea Su Wei, okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I love her, but I can't pronounce her name, That's that sucks. She's a, she's uh, a tricky player, to a, a tricky name to say and a tricky player to play against, for sure. Yeah, yeah and when I, I first started watching her, I was like, she makes no effort and <laughs> she just puts the ball on the line. And Krejcikova is like that, but taller, so she has... Um, another advantage, and I talked with a couple of my friends, and I said, look, this match with Sakari is a hell for Sakari, and I understand that because I'm short, uh, and I used to, I, I sometimes play a friend who's much taller than me, and he's not better than me, but he's taller. In tennis, that matters. He can direct the ball much, much easier than, uh, than me. And I was watching the match, and I was kind of remembering of my matches with him, and I was like, okay, I understand what's happening, and Sakari's not going to win this. <laughs> <laughs> Only if she clutches in the clutchiest way, but that's going to be hard because uh, Krejcikova is just, you know, the ball comes and she redirects so easily and the, the backhand was just on fire. You said a word a there. You said a word there that made me think about uh, Sakari's mental fortitude. Like you said clutch. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Maria Sakari had the best tournament of her professional career in Roland Garros 2021. She made it to her first semifinal of a major and she has that to be proud of but watching her matches like I have over the past couple of seasons there's been a couple of times where she has an opportunity to do something big or she has an opportunity to close out a match and she just doesn't get over the hurdle a another follower on, t on my Twitter shout out, I keep on mentioning Twitter but I tweeted out that there's something very unclutch about Maria Sakari. Like she, she'll, she'll even in the same match, she'll play the style of game that can disrupt the opponent. She'll have a good game plan, but when it comes down to like actually putting her foot down and being like, "I'm the winner of this match," she falls a little short. Now she's still young and that can change, but she kind of reminds me of Amelie Moresmo. Mm. Um, they look a little similar to me. They look a little yeah. similar, like just in the face they do. But Moresmo, a throwback player that was really good in the early 2000s or in mid 2000s, she struggled with being the person in the right position. Like when she would do everything right to get to the right position, even when she got to match points or up in comfortable leads, it would almost overwhelm her. Yeah. In a way, and that's how I feel with Sakari. Krejcikova is the player that you don't want to play when that's happening because odds are yeah, she's exactly. not going to miss. She doesn't really. She doesn't. She's going to put the ball in uncomfortable positions for you. But that 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 semifinal match was definitely 
one to watch as far as drama, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I am very glad. Uh, you look at their names, and it's a lot Serena and Venus. And yeah. Like, oh, I'm not going to watch. No, you have to, because sometimes they produce this kind of matches, and it's a slam semifinal, and both are nervous, and both don't know how it is, and both had match points saved, and... Wow, it's just had everything. Uh, and uh, Krachikova won the singles and the doubles uh, for the first time since Mary Pierce in 2000. And I, I never watched much of Mary Pierce, but uh, I did watch some, some things. And I miss her yeah, game. She, I miss her yeah, kind of she style of game. She reminds me a little good. of her. She was really? cool. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Not, not, I can uh, see that. Yeah, she was she's see taller. It. Like I remember her match with uh, Hingis uh, in the in Roland Garros, mm -hmm. and it was a little bit similar to the Sakari match. Uh, Hingis has a lot of talent, but she's short. She can serve, so not not that she can't serve. She can't. Or ace, she can't ace. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's hard for her to ace. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's smart play in the end. It's like genius plays, clutch play, and it's at the same time safe. So. Uh, in the final itself, Krachikova just was uh, slicing on the forehand. I, I remember watching it like, this is weird. She's not driving the forehand. But that was the smartest play. Against her opponent was... in the final, Pavlyuchenkova, who we didn't mention yet. Sorry, Pavlyuchenkova. Yeah. No, we had a great tournament, there. too. <laughs> we were going to get there. Yeah. But that is a, I can see how her game plan going into that final with Pavlyuchenkova, which was a final that nobody would have predicted or very Absolutely. few people would have predicted. I can see how a slice forehand against Pavlyuchenkova would have worked, or that would have been a good game plan because Pavlyuchenkova is a player that plays her best when she's playing against pace because she plays with pace. Yeah. And Pavlyuchenkova, yeah. it seems like she's been on the tour for forever, but she's not even 30 yet. She turned 30 yeah, in July. Turning, yeah, exactly. I feel like I've watched all of her career, and pretty much all of her career, she's been a player that you don't want to take lightly but she's also been a player that kind of has a ceiling, so to speak. Yeah. And it was nice to see her take advantage of a really, a really good draw that opened up for her and just playing good tennis when it really, really mattered, which is something that in her career, she didn't always do, you know? Yeah. Uh, she, uh, she beat uh, Badosa. No, no, she did. She beat uh, Sabalenka, right? Uh, she beat Sabalenka, the, the third who, seed. In my bracket was the finalist. I had her man against, <sighs> against all my uh, rational thinking because uh, I have to be honest, I just like her game. Oh, yeah, I Sabalenka's she... game is nice to watch, especially if you like that aggressive, like. No, I dislike. I, I say oh, you, I dislike. You don't yeah, like don't, Sabalenka's I, game? I don't like her game. I get as much. it. Uh, she goes, I think she goes too much. It's not, yeah, it's, not being, it's not being aggressive. Federer was aggressive. <laughs> she just... It's the, it's it's the like way Ru that she Lucas, does it. Uh, Lucas Rosso, who is just crazy, mm. pounding the ball, and mm. you're not going to get much out of it, depending <laughs> on the player. She did win, uh, I think, was Madrid against mm -hmm. Marty, uh, and that was when I made the bracket, and I very silly <laughs> put her as a finalist, even though she had never and still haven't passed the quarterfinal, uh, to the quarterfinals. She, she hasn't even made it past the fourth round yet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, was I think she will, level, hopefully. Hopefully, I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that she wasn't she wasn't there yet, and I, I don't think she will make it in a clay court event. I think she will make it in a hard court event like the U.S. Open. That's her best shot, I believe, for Sabalenka to to really get past those second week of a major jitters because there's no way she keeps playing tennis that makes you 
look at her in a draw and think she can go far, but then not go far in a draw because she's not used. It's so it's it's the weirdest thing, and she, it, it is it's weird, but she's also making history at the same time because she's the only player, I think, male or female, to get to like top five in the world without ever getting to a major quarterfinal first. She's oh, the only that. player to, to do okay. that. Yeah. So yeah. she's making history, but like in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. In a way that you don't want. You just Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. She's yeah, winning I'm the everywhere. Guy who won. My first title was a Grand Slam. That's the guy, <laughs> the kind of person you want to be. <laughs> she's she's doing what she can and, and Pavlyuchenko would definitely took advantage of the fact that probably going into that match, she knew that she was she had a chance to get to the final and it probably was just like weighing on her head, but it's okay. I, I'm I'm glad Pavlyuchikova did what she did this tournament. I was kind of rooting for her in the final just because she has been a player I've seen more of. And yeah. it would have been a nice storyline. But, you know, she's still her, – her name is still going to be in history books in some way because she got to a Grand Slam final. So, shout yeah, out to Pavlyuchikova. And then just breaking down the other parts of the draw, we mentioned Coco Golf getting to her quarterfinal. We mentioned uh, – Sak- Sakari, I always, I always get stuck on saying Sakari or Sakari. <laughs> I, I think uh, my our commies say Sakari. Sakari, Sakari, yeah. Sakari. So Sakari actually Sack got attack. the Sack attack. Sack, there we go. Sack attack. Sack attack actually beat the defending champion Iga Swiatek in the quarterfinals, um, and that match was interesting because it kind of felt like Swiatek was playing Sack attack and herself and the pressure of being a defending champion, which I can only imagine is tough. And people were trying to like give her too, not give her too much, because I do think her game is amazing. I really enjoy watching Sviatek, but they were trying to make it seem like she absolutely had to defend her trophy or like she was going to be like the next Justine Inna. And I can see how the pressure got to her, but I can can also see why it's easy to put that pressure on her because when she plays tennis, she really plays tennis and she makes everybody else look like a league below her, you know? Yeah. Um, she looked a little flat. Uh, mm-hmm. She was looking, uh, actually uh, made a meme like uh, in 2017, uh, people made a question of Nadal uh, swallowing. He's like, he became the clay and swallow of Rinka in the final. Oh, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> and I put uh, her face. I, I'm a terrible editor, but I put her face there. And, like, she's just eating everyone up on clay. And uh, everyone was looking forward to the match with Barty because that was going to happen in the semifinals if it happened. And then Barty is injured. And, you know, there's a lot of more pressure on her because she doesn't have now the number one to face. And maybe she thought too much about it. I don't know. Uh, when we got to the quarterfinal stage, Spiatek definitely was looking like the favorite, and that's exactly where she stopped. <laughs> yeah. Like the the draw had the draw was had in her, her favor. Sakari, I think everyone mm-hmm. had because uh, Sakari or Sakari uh, didn't have experience, and uh, yeah, she was just playing too well, Iga and. Well, that was a weird match because he looked a little injured as well. Mm-hmm. She continued to play doubles, but she did look a little uncomfortable. Maybe in her, I don't remember if it was her leg or something. It was her thigh or something like that. But, yeah. I, but it, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's encouraging that the player that comes back and defends their title 
gets to at least the quarterfinals. That's still not, that's that's not a bad no, showing. It's not a tragedy at all. At all. Like she didn't yeah. draw one. Yeah. Yeah, that'd have been like okay, that's a little alarming. But she had a really good tournament, all things considered. And she just turned twenty years old herself, like this month, or in yeah, I think it was in June. So you know, hopefully that's another name that people can get more comfortable with because she's already a Grand Slam champion and she's proving that it doesn't look like it's going to be a fluke. So. Let's go down to the bottom half of the draw, which really got open thanks to Pavlyuchenkova and her uh, giant killing skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but before we get to Pavlyuchenkova's little section, let's stop and talk about Serena Williams' section because <sighs> deep sigh, deep sigh. <laughs> oh, man. There were encouraging signs in Serena's game during this tournament, and there were also some discouraging signs the the encouraging signs were the fact that she, even though she didn't come in with the most confidence in the world she was able to get through some really tough moments in her matches that some other players probably wouldn't have if they didn't if they had the kind of confidence coming in that she did because she was only one in yeah. three in her or one in was it one in three she lost to Podoroska. she lost yeah. to she lost to and that 250 Parma, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she lost to Krejcikova, uh, not Krejcikova. She lost to no. Sinyakova, Sinyakova. Yeah. yeah. Other players are struggling. These two tournaments, right? Rome. And yeah, Parma. I'm pretty sure it was only those two, and she only went. She went one and two, one yeah. and three, one and t- something. I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she she didn't come in with a whole bunch of confidence, and she worked her way up in in the draw like she normally does up until she got to the fourth round where she faced Alina Rabakina of Kazakhstan, who Rabakina has been somebody so I, watching that match. I felt a couple different ways because it's not like I was anti Rabakina, right? I really do enjoy her game. I enjoy the fact that she's tall. She moves decently well for her height. She really utilizes her serve. And she had a great 2020 uh, before the pandemic kind of shut everything yeah. down. And when the, when, when the, the, the tour kind of got back started, she kind of stutter stepped and she didn't really have her form and she hasn't been good all year either. <laughs> so I didn't yeah. expect Serena to really have too much trouble in that match based on form. But again, maybe she had the same cup of soup that uh, Krychikova or Krychikova had in the tournament because this is the best she's played all year, you know, and Serena looked good in some points of that match. And then she also looked confused in other parts of that match. And I think again, it's not necessarily just the physical that's holding her back from winning another Grand Slam. And it's also encouraging in some ways to see that she's getting, it's not like she's losing first and second round continuously. That's not what she's doing at all. But it's like when she gets to the moments when we're expecting Serena to pop out, she doesn't really take advantage. It'll 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 pop out and then it'll, it'll like go back in. Because there was a couple of moments in that, in that, what was the first or the second set against Rebecca and I was like okay here here she comes like here is the here is the momentum shift and she just didn't capitalize off of moments where there was where there was time for momentum to shift her way and that's a little discouraging because usually that's what's gotten her 23 grand slams you know it's like she hasn't always just completely leveled every single opponent in her way some of her grand slams she has done that but a lot of them she's been able to get herself out of tight situations yeah. with her mentality you know no before the tournament i was actually hyping her a little bit uh 
And I, I went back to the 2015 tournament mm -hmm. where she won playing almost all three setters. And it was kind of like a deal with the devil there because she, she shouldn't have won the tournament. At all. She, just, <laughs> she was outplayed. Uh, she was down in the third set for a, uh, in the match against Azarenka. In the final, she mm -hmm. had a breakdown. It was just crazy, and she won because she is the clutchest player of all time, I think. And, uh, of course, she was younger. That has to get into the, the mix. And I think, yeah, that's what... You, I agree with, with what you said. Uh, she had her chances. I think uh, Elena allowed her to come back to both sets. Uh, she, I think they were leveled, and Elena broke to the mat for the first set, I think, something like that. Or she was 3-4 uh, down. I remember uh, tweeting or sending to a friend uh, saying, I think he was in her racket, to be honest, uh, not discrediting the, the opponent, but she could have won it just being her. She could have at least left, got that set to a third set or the max to a third set, for sure. Yeah. That was on her racket. Yeah, I think she just, I don't know, maybe she thought about it too much. I, maybe. I explain. I'm, yeah, part, of me is I like, think, part of me is yeah. trying to take, the good in the fact that she got to the fourth round when it didn't look like that was going to be even a possibility. And yeah. a part of me is just like, look at the draw. The draw man, was I, so open, man. I was about to say that. Uh, that was the moment, I think, in the fourth round before she played Elena, that she probably looked at the draw. <laughs> and was like, oh, wait, uh, there's there's only one. Wait, Sabalenka lost? Yeah. There's nobody that has my kind of caliber or status left in the draw. She, like, if she wins that match against Rybakina, she plays Pavlyuchinkova in the quarterfinals and then gets the winner of Zidanchik and Badosa. Like, yeah. that's not saying that those players don't deserve to get any kind of recommendation of putting up a fight in that match, but I would take Serena on paper in those matches. I, agree. I would take Serena against Krachikova in the final, you know, like it's just yeah. sucks. It takes, it sucks from that angle, but it is what it is. And <laughs> enough about Serena. Serena's going to get the moment that she's looking for. It's probably going to come when <laughs> all the chips are down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, she's going to uh, like, I don't know. The Wimbledon draw comes out and she has seven tough opponents and <laughs> yeah she's gonna have to play like play Simone Halep in the third round or something like that they're yeah, gonna be like Halep oh my god Andreescu, Osaka mm -hmm. and Kenny all you know yep. in a row <laughs> she's gonna have to get through it and we're gonna be like wow she's the greatest of all time yeah that's that's yeah. what I'm that's what I'm hoping for but <laughs> we, we we did talk about these two players just briefly uh Zidanecik and Bedosa I know, like, in the episode map I made to kind of get us through this 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 episode. Mm. Why did I say the word episode that many times? Um, <laughs> I, I asked, I wanted to ask you who impressed you the most this tournament. As far as the women go, I would have to say it's probably Zidanechik, number one, and then number two, Bedosa. Their, their match in the quarterfinal was really, really good like high stakes i didn't know i was gonna make it this far but i'm gonna swing with all i got kind of tennis and i didn't really i didn't have a chance to watch either of their games in a whole entire match until that match and i'm actually glad i did because both of them are are young i think that's like the future of tennis you know knock on wood <laughs> but i do think zadanchik is a name 
that we should get used to, especially on clay. I'm not sure how her game is going to like reproduce itself on like the faster surfaces, but her forehand yeah. knocked me off of my feet a couple different times. I was like, wow. And it's not necessarily like it's because it's a hundred miles per hour or anything like that. It's the shape that she creates on it. It's the spin that she gets on it. And it's the boldness she has to go for it in tough situations. That really made me a fan of Zidanechik. And then Badosa, she plays confident tennis. She plays like like ballsy tennis. It's like she plays with a margin of error. She's not like she's not like Sabalenka, but she's yeah. like a more a more reserved Sabalenka. <laughs> and she gets she's another fun player to watch. And she has like she has some Spanish roots. She has some American roots. And she's both of them are just fun. That that that's how I describe that matchup. And it's actually one of it might be the match of the tournament. And Zidanecik was the same player that beat Andrescu, uh, yeah. who's who everybody knows Andrescu <laughs> as the player, <laughs> the the top player who doesn't play, unfortunately. Yeah. But she beat her in the first round, nine seven in a, a a long grueling match, and she took that energy all the way to the first semifinal. Zidanecik did so. That was a, a interesting section of the draw. I I'll let you get on it in on Zidanecik or Bedosa if you want to, because I don't know if you watched either yeah. of their matches. Uh... But Dosa, I, I admit, it's going to be tough what I'm about to say, but I really was a little disappointed mm. because I hyped her a lot. I thought she would make semifinals or final, to be mm. honest. Uh, not final because I had Sabalenka, but uh, semifinal, I think she would have reached. Uh, she was she would have played uh, Serena, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. she could She could have met Serena. I think, and uh, the, yeah, they were on the bottom uh, half, and uh, I thought that would that would have been the match of the tournament, but it didn't happen. Uh, and Paula, I think she has just one of the best clay games. I saw her final in uh, what was the tournament? Belgrade. Belgrade. Belgrade yeah. Yeah. She just played too well. I was impressed, and uh, I was disappointed that she lost. She has game. She yeah, has game. Zidanecek was just too good, and her forehand. I, I, I don't think I understand tennis that well because <laughs> she, Zidanecek gets. Uh, she plays her forehand so well on the rise mm -hmm. that I. Think and she's she, only five six. Yeah, and that, and and that might be giving her do something. Well <laughs> on grass, like she could just hit those approaches to the backhand and then go volley, but I don't know anything. Uh, Halep <laughs> won Wimbledon, so. And who the hell knows? We don't know. We don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, but she did well. Uh, th uh, the conditions this year on clay were a bit more uh, fast. Medvedev said it. Uh, I think Team said it as well. So uh, these upsets uh, are not that crazy because some people uh, that we have here play well on hard courts as well as on clay. We don't have that many classic clay quarters. Uh, reaching the there, yeah, the, there's the not like levels. clay court specialists. I do think Zidanecik might be one to look out yeah. for. We have but promising clay. We have promising, but they're not yeah. like there's not somebody that we go in, on the women's side specifically. There's not somebody we go into every clay tournament like oh watch out for them. That's what yeah. I kind of wished for in this Grand Slam. That's why I kind of was wishing Swiatek would kind of defend her title at least get back to the final just so we could have some level of continuity 
in the women's game. Yeah, a little bit like uh, that run we had with Sharapova, Ivanovic, uh, mm-hmm. Shivoni, uh These people that always were on clay finals. Mm-hmm. Most, mostly they will play well on clay. We don't have this anymore. I was talking about on Twitter as well that uh, the clay field has been very weak in the last few years. That's what weak, you mentioned. Weak slash open slash all over the place. <laughs> yeah, uh, the last six years, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, a new champion, uh, Ostapenko, has never won a second round there after winning in 2007. No, actually, oh, she I did. think she did she last did in 2020, year. like when they yeah. played in October. She beat Pliskova. And then she lost the next round. But she's not – honestly, in, in hindsight, I have no idea how she won that Roland Garros title. <laughs> it was the, the perfect storm. Like, and she went, like she went three sets. She went three sets a lot of times too. Yeah. Well, hopefully yeah, uh, hopefully, Krachikova doesn't have the same career trajectory Ostapenko has. Not that Ostapenko's yeah. had a terrible career. It's just that you never really know what you're going to get. She can come out there and look wonderful – or look like she is a club player that can't keep the ball in the court, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah she actually played the first match, the first, first round with Kennan, who hadn't won a match since March. Mm-hmm. So she was the underdog, Kennan, even though she's ranked number five. And Ostapenko maybe should have won that match. And that's the thing that we had this French Open. The Kennan just rose back from the dead and made uh, the fourth round. I don't know. Uh so yeah, that's it. <laughs> that actually, so that actually leads me to like a wrap up question, and I alluded to the, alluded to it earlier. Besides the people that like got to the semifinals or better, who would you say like could walk away from this tournament feeling like they impressed you the most, even if they didn't win it, like they didn't lift the trophy like that? Who do you feel like should should take some confidence from this Roland Garros and move it forward? Because I have one in the back of my mind. Yeah, I think in the women's draw, looking at it like, you know, like I'm like I am right now, just peeking at it. I think I'm going to say uh, Zachary and Badosa. I think they are the two that can keep their heads up and golf mm-hmm. as well, because that was a little bit of nerves. Mm-hmm. She has the game that's clear. And, uh, yeah, I think these three, Sakari, maybe she's going to sting. This loss is going to sting a li- her a little bit, like Tsitsipas, two Greeks who had painful losses this tournament. But she played well. She played very well. She beat Iga, and uh, she has to look forward, and she has to, imp- like you say, improve mm-hmm. uh, playing with the lead. You mm-hmm. know? She has to learn how to be with the lead, not just return for the match. Like, you know, she has to serve serve it out. Like, mm-hmm. she had the opportunity to. She had that match point. And, uh, but besides the loss itself, she did play very well. And Badosa as well played, uh, she, uh, everyone says it was a match of the tournament. Uh, not the one with Zidanecek. Uh, B- Bogdan? Uh, Bogdan, yeah, that was yeah, a good Bogdan. match. That was a good match. Did, that was the one I missed. And uh, that's good for her that she played such a high level. And she lost 6-8 uh, in the third. So that's mm-hmm. just, you know, that's that uh, got too physical maybe for her. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. Uh, tennis, she has it. And yeah, I think the semifinalists, all of them can just be incredible. I don't know. I'm thinking I'm thinking more of the people that didn't make it that far, but also won some ah, matches. And I'm yeah. thinking the, the two names when I peeked at the draw that I was impressed with that didn't, you know, go, go to the second week were Sloane Stevens and then Marta Kostyuk, 
Sloane Stevens really impressed me. She's been impressing me little bit by little bit by just getting her game back on track. And I was very impressed with the wins she had at this tournament. She beat Pliskova. She beat, well, she beat Carla Suarez Navarro in her first yeah. tournament back from um, dealing with Hoskins lymphoma. So that was an emotional match to get a win. And she follows that up with a win against Pliskova and then a win, a win against Muhova. And Muhova made the semifinals in Australia a couple months back. So yeah. I'm proud of Sloane Stevens. And on the other side of that, Marta Kostyuk took advantage of a really good draw when she beat Bogaruta in the first round. And she gets kept it going. I really think that Marta Kostyuk obviously is the younger out of those two. But I think she can really take some confidence in terms of how she played against the defending champion in Swiatek. And then I think Sloane Stevens can take some confidence in the fact that her career isn't like it shouldn't be just written off like some people are trying to. I think when she gets no. back onto the American hard courts where, she is, where she's done a lot of her good yeah. damage, I think she'll have better confidence to draw on when she gets the tight matches. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of those two on the men's, on the men's side. Let me look at the, the, the men's draw just again, real quickly to see who I'm like going with as far as impressive. I was actually really impressed with Kupfer, Kupfer's effort against Federer. Hopefully, even though he didn't get the win, hopefully he takes that match and he keeps playing better on the grass and on the hard courts. Cause I really yeah. enjoy his game and I'm a sucker for lefties. And then, <laughs> if I could throw somebody else in there, maybe Jan yeah. Leonard Struth. Jan Leonard Struth. That was wild. Yeah, <laughs> that his his he got to the fourth round and he beat like the young the young Spanish guy Carlos Alcaraz, who everybody's calling as the yeah, next Nadal. Uh, Rublev. Wrong yeah, and he beat Rublev in the first round. I was very impressed by his level of play. So maybe those two. Yeah, maybe those yeah. two. Yeah, uh, I was just checking. Uh, I think I have to mention Coach Schreiber. That oh man weird <laughs> that was the weirdest result of this tournament and i i don't even care uh if people are talking about kritikova even that wasn't that weird uh coach Haber just beat karatsev on he Clay. came out of nowhere Karatsev has just beaten djokovic on Clay. Mm -hmm. yeah coach Haber came out of nowhere and coach Haber well, isn't kudos. a bad player but in kudos He's to him but he just came out of nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah and he, uh playing I, I watched the Schwartzman match and he just was outplayed but mm -hmm. what he made the third round like I, I didn't expect that nobody would have guessed that and the two players that I would like to mention were are players who actually met uh each other in the fourth round are Foki Foki uh and Delbonis Oh man Delbonis <laughs> that was amazing I, I don't know if Delbonis with unease. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was he did. Really I don't. I don't know if Delbonis is going to take. I don't. I don't. I'm not leaving the tournament feeling like Delbonis is going to like have this career resurgence. But it was a. It's, it was the best Grand Slam tournament for his career. He's yeah. never been that far. So kudos it's to Delbonis. And he's also he's from Argentina. Yeah, he's Argentina. Yes. He okay. Cool. Argentina. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Another South American. Yeah. Um. Uh... The shout out is more for his entire clay season mm. because mm -hmm. he had an real. I think he made quarters in Madrid or something that nobody expected. That he, he's he's not young. Uh, he never had these results. He was trashed by Nadal just uh, a few tournaments earlier in Monte Carlo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but of yeah. course everyone's trashed by Nadal, so that doesn't count. <laughs> and he uh, Anduha beat Team. And Anduha maybe could have uh, taken this momentum to the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And Delbonis won in five sets mm -hmm. against a guy who was, you know, had beaten Federer in the 250 and had beaten Team in five sets. Uh, 
uh, the team from two sets down, by the way. So that was just crazy. But of course, team like played himself there. He just yeah, yeah. He, he was tight. He was nervous. I don't know why, but that's his thing I think, now. <laughs> I think team is just readjusting. He's in the process of readjusting his goals and kind of his life to being a Grand Slam champion now. And it might just take him a while. Kind of like sometimes when we see it's more prevalent on the women's side of the tour, like where they have these these big breakthroughs like yeah. Bouchard does. And then they kind of have to like realign their goals because like you work hard, so hard to get to Grand Slam finals and to become a champion. And then once you do, it's kind of like, where do I go from here? So I think he's just reevaluating some stuff. And he he's a powerful player, so hopefully he powers his way through this because I do want to see team back, like, in the top five and back at Grand Slam finals. But this was a little bit of a setback. But hopefully it's a setback for another good comeback, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, team, uh, it's a little strange because he, he was a player that you, I used to complain about him in the sense that he only used power. He was like mm -hmm. Sabalenka, but in the men's side. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's good to watch because it's going to be high-level intensity. But when he was trashed by Nadal in 2018, not trashed, like he played a decent match, but Nadal was too good. You can't hit through Nadal. That's not how you're going to win him against him. And uh, then he changed his game to win the US Open, I think. He was still hitting hard. He was he, he was incorporating more, more slice. Yep, yep. Yeah, a lot of more he was slice. serving a lot better. He had more power in his serve. And then, he, like, he became a different player. He was in the top tier now, and of, I, I was impressed. And now he's just trying to finesse everything, <laughs> I feel. He, he has an opportunity. He doesn't have the same power. On his, yeah, he doesn't and have he the same power he used to. a drop shot. And I was like, no, that's not the way you're going to win a match. And uh, But I, he's good for tennis. He's good for clay tennis also. And that, that mess of a draw that maybe happen a little bit like Medvedev reaching quarterfinals <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a little bit due to his form like he had he should have made quarterfinals at least like we expected it before he had like, a clay season. it wasn't a difficult draw I would have liked to see him play Casper Rude I was yeah. hoping that I would see that but I mean I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not selling stock on team yet. We'll have, we, he still has a whole like six more months of the season left, basically. So I'll see what he does. Um, no, yeah. Uh, even uh, it's not like he it, it happened right after the U.S. Open. He mm -hmm. won the U.S. Open. He reached quarterfinals in the French Open. Mm -hmm. And then he reached the final in the World Tour Finals. Mm -hmm. so the ATP Masters World Tour that Finals. That was a yeah. great season for him. To mm -hmm. He reached the final of Australia uh, in January as well. I think it was 2021. Uh, the year changed. And he just yeah, maybe he uh, gets a year letdown or something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He played that match against Kyrgios. That was a great yeah. match. And uh, he, he should have like probably he was lost. Improving, but then he <laughs> was beaten by Dimitrov. And then everything was downhill from there. But I hope to see him back because he's good for tennis. I like his style. I like his backhand. He's just uh, an unreal player. And uh, that was it. I think we'll see him back. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And I think I think we're gonna we're gonna conclude on a on, a, on that positive note that we hopefully see Dominic Team back yeah. in the mix because I because I like I like Dominic Team as well and I think he'll hopefully he'll get it together to make a good defense of his U.S. Open 2020 victory. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Fingers crossed. But I just wanted to thank you, Mike, for giving me some of your time and hanging out on the <laughs> podcast. This is this was really really fun. I'm 
I'm glad that you responded to my tweet about who's watched the most matches at Roland Garros. <laughs> and in, in saying that, remind the listeners where they can actually follow you so they can see some of your golden Twitter tweets about tennis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. That was, I had a great time. I didn't expect it to be so, you know, so cool and everything. It was very good. I'm very happy right now. And I have a Twitter account. Uh, it's at uh, Second Serves. You can follow me there. I post a lot of crap. But <laughs> it's good. Me. It's not all crap. It's funny. I promise you, it's funny. Yeah, I post some things. I post some funny things, but uh, just me being silly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I would like to talk about uh, just uh, to wrap up the the talk. Uh, the French Open was great. I think, in perspective, uh, I think we had great tennis. I know you can. You're not gonna agree with me, uh, but here's, <laughs> what, here's my opinion: the organizers made everything in their power to destroy the French Open. They tried. They, they tried to destroy it. Uh, they made terrible scheduling. They they uh, pushed really Osaka were, out. <laughs> they were mean, bullying to Osaka like ridiculous stuff there, and uh, they made Federer say goodbye without a crowd. <laughs> All of these things, but the players saved it. I think we had great clay court tennis. Uh, I think we, I'm really happy to. Maybe the finals weren't what I expected. Uh, my favorites weren't there. Uh, the final, the men's final was a little tight, but we got to know some tennis. new players in the process. Yeah, we got we to learn some so new players, many great and new players, some so new many stories. Great matches. Classic five setters, I think, were built. Uh, this uh, we had uh, one of the best sets of tennis in Nadal Djokovic. Nadal actually got a loss, which is rare on its own he's so 105 it and three now yeah it which makes is crazy this event to be <laughs> historical i think and uh i'm glad that i watched it i'm looking forward to my favorite slam which is grass and wimbledon. grass in wimbledon <laughs> my eyes are tired of seeing clay but if, if if you love clay court tennis don't fear there's still a whole bunch of clay court tennis to be played <laughs> There, well, challengers you, all I know, right? are clay <laughs> and there's more there's more tournaments like after Wimbledon that are going to yeah, be on play. So. Um, more there, there, yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch. Just, just get on Google and you'll, you'll find them. I'm sure. But thank, yeah. thank you again for, for doing this. I know it was kind of last minute, but it all worked out. It all, it all worked out and we had fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. It was great. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. We and, definitely uh, will. That's it. Let's go to grass. That's the let's, best let's, surface. Let's get to Wimbledon. <laughs> let's get to grass. Let's see what happens in a couple of weeks. Cause literally tournament starts this month <laughs> yeah no Conta it's a was quick a turnaround today. i know right i know yeah J joe Conta picked up a title on grass tiafo picked up a challenger title yeah. on grass Chilich. um yeah Chilich beat felix agia aliasim in another final womp womp but at yeah. least he got to the final at least he got to the <laughs> final so <laughs> the grass court season is already warming up so good good night to roland girls and good morning to grass court tennis <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, well, you heard it, and we are ready to get off of the clay. <laughs> At least I know I am. It is time to head over to the grass court season, and as I speak, as I record this, the grass season is already in full effect because they like to cram the best season in tennis into three or four tiny weeks, and I'll never understand why they do that, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> I just wanted to come on and wrap up the show, wrap up this episode for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please do me a favor and check out the links in the podcast description, especially the ones that say support this podcast and the new link that says buy me a coffee, because if you don't know, now you know, I really enjoy 
sipping on frappuccinos while I edit my podcast. And there is a new website. Well, I don't know how new it is. It's new to me and it's going to be new to the listeners of this podcast. It's a website called buy me a coffee. And if you click the link in the podcast description, you'll be able to learn all about it. It's attached to my podcast and you can donate support and just keep things pushing with how I want them to keep pushing with missing the point. And yeah, I would really, really appreciate you guys' support and thanks for listening. I will be back to give you guys some more updates about what's going on in the grass court lead up to Wimbledon. I, it just dawned on me that I have covered two French opens in like less than eight months. So shout out to our little podcast, the little podcast that could, (laughs) we are trying our best and I'm trying my best to push out content for you guys as things happen in the tennis season. So that's enough of me rambling. I hope you guys take care and enjoy the rest of your week or weekend. Whenever you get a chance to listen to this, make sure you share it on your social medias. Make sure to follow the missing point pod on social medias at missing point pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and clubhouse. Make sure you join clubhouse. If you need an invite to the app, let me know. I got you. And above all else, just be happy. And until next time, guys, I will talk to you later. Take it easy.